Our second lesson today comes from the Old Testament. It comes from Deuteronomy, and I'm reading from chapter 26. I'm reading at the 16th verse and to the end of the chapter. I'll say a little bit more about this context in a moment. Listen for the word of the Lord. This very day the Lord your God is commanding you to observe these statutes and commandments and ordinances. So observe them diligently with all your heart and with all your soul. Today you have obtained the Lord's agreement to be your God and for you to walk in His ways, to keep His statutes, His commandments, and His ordinances, and to obey Him. Today the Lord has obtained your agreement to be His treasured people as He promised you, and to keep His commandments, for Him to set you high above all nations that He has made in praise and in fame and in honor, and for you to be a people holy to the Lord your God as He promised. This is the word of the Lord. Seems like in so many recent evenings as I've come to the end of the day and watch the national news, the lead story has been about another tornado in Oklahoma or somewhere in that region. I found myself asking, is this another story about the tornado that caused such destruction and discouragement in that region? Or is this another tornado that has hit that same region causing such destruction? And the answer seems to be both. Our hearts continue to break and our lives continue to be focused there. Our prayers are continuing to ask God to bring healing and help and strength to the devastation and loss in that region. We also have reports about fires on the West Coast. We've got flooding in Europe and even flooding around this region following the massive rains of Friday. We had another mass shooting on a campus in California on Friday with six people killed. And of course, we have to worry about Syria and chemical weapons and that conversation. And then there are many other ongoing issues. All of this raises the question again for me, is God for us? Do you believe that God is for you? Do you believe that God's desire is for you? And for all people everywhere to flourish and to thrive and to prosper. Do you believe that God is crying with those who are crying in Oklahoma or in California today? Giving strength to those who are working in the midst of the destruction or covered up with despair? Is God really enfolding those folks? Do you believe that God is connected with your deepest concerns? Whatever that may be today, about your life, your loves, your desires. And do you believe that God is deeply concerned to bring about a world of peace and wholeness and hope that stretches across the globe? Do you? I do. I do. I believe that God is for us. Sometimes this fantastic idea that God is for us actually gets lost. It gets covered up in the destruction. All we feel sometimes is a sense of isolation, a sense of burden, 
A sense of loneliness, the sense that God has moved on somewhere else far from us or people that need God or people that we care about. Sometimes we may sense that God is not in Oklahoma or in California and not in the continuing losses of gun violence and death and messes in our city or the confusion of our own lives. God has moved on somewhere else. Sometimes, too, this fantastic idea that God is actually for us gets suffocated in how we talk about God or how we interpret who God is and what God is about. I mean, that if you ask someone on the street what the first thing that comes to mind when you hear the word Christian, I doubt that the most of the people will answer with the revolutionary insight that God is for us, that God comes to us, that God knows us, that God cares about us, that God remains with us, that God never leaves us, that God saves us and gives us life and gives us purpose for our lives. No, probably what they will say is how Christians are against this and against that. Not that God is for us. We have a wonderful passage from Deuteronomy 26 today. It's one of my favorite passages in all the Bible. You might not believe that. Deuteronomy 26, how could that be one of your favorite passages? Well, it comes in a very important place in this story of God's people. It comes in Deuteronomy after many chapters of laws and ways that God's people are called to live, instructed to be God's people. So many of the chapters leading up to chapter 26 offer exhortations of how God's people are to function, how God's people are to live, what it actually means to be God's people. Don't forget who you are. Remember that God has always been with you. Uh, Therefore, this is how you worship, and this is how you live with one another in community, and this is how you treat women and strangers, and this is how you... uh, Deal with your crops, and this is what your daily routine should look like. All this is unpacked in the 25 chapters. So many of these chapters prior to chapter 26 are exhortations about faithful living as God's people. And then chapter 26 begins, and it has the instruction that when God's people get to the land that God has given them, this inheritance that God has promised to the people, they're to take their first fruits their first resources from the harvest, and they are to go and stand before God, and they are to recite a certain litany. And the litany goes like this, and it's in this chapter, a wandering Aramean was my father, and he went down to Egypt, and as aliens in the the land of Egypt, he was made a slave. And the people became slaves, but God heard their cry. And God listened to them and God acted and God saved the people and God brought them to the land of milk and honey. See, the point is very strong. The people should never forget who they are. They are the people of God. And especially when they get into the land, as 26 says, they should remember we are loved, we are saved, we are made whole, we're given a future and a hope because of God They exist because God has been and is for them. For them. This litany of remembrance, this reciting of the words and giving the tithe, presenting the first fruits from the land was confirmation of the truth. 
that God was their God and they were God's people. In so doing, they would remember this and they would live it out. God would be the center of their lives. Then we get to the verses that I read today, beginning in verse 16. Today you have to obtain the Lord's agreement to walk in God's ways, to live as God's people. And then this. And today the Lord has obtained your agreement to be his treasured people. That is a powerful phrase to me. God's treasured people. That's the promise. That's the covenant We seek to live as God's people, and God makes us God's treasured people. Many of you know that I like words, and I like to think about words and what words really mean in certain contexts, and I suspect that you know what that word means, treasured. It means prized. It means regarded as precious. It means adored. It means loved. It means held and blessed and sustained and cared for. It's a term of endearment. It's clear. Yet it also means much more. The King James translation of this passage doesn't even use the word treasured. It doesn't appear in the King James version of this passage. The King James uses the word peculiar. Peculiar. Not treasured. For us in these days, peculiar means odd, maybe weird, maybe unusual. But the King James is trying to convey something very important, and I think it has to do with this distinctiveness of God's people, the unusual characteristics of God's people, different from the world. That's very helpful to me. The church, as God's treasured people, are certainly loved and blessed and held and cherished. But God also knows them to be and names them to be distinct, unusual, peculiar. In a mean world, what we do, we love God and we love our neighbor. That's distinct. In a world where self seems most important, what do we do? We worship God. We give our lives to God's purposes. That is distinct. And like the people centuries ago who are the subject of this passage in Deuteronomy, we don't just show up in the land and assume that we got here on our own. We seek to recall always who we are. We're God's people. And how do we live? With great gratitude and commitment about serving God. God's treasured people, God's peculiar people. We pray and we put trust not in ourselves, but in God. That is distinct. We exist not for ourselves, but for the glory of God. That is distinct. That is peculiar. That's the full meaning of this word treasured. We are people who, grounded in God's love, are people with a future and a hope. We cannot just live for ourselves. We live for God. Now, in my years of ministry among you, Second Presbyterian Church, I know very well that you know about this. You know what this means. This congregation has a rich history of not living for itself, but living for God. 
We have long sought to be a congregation of welcome and grace in this city and as far as we can go. We have long sought to be a congregation whose resources were also always carefully considered so they go to the community and they go to the world. Our building, wonderful as it is, our budget, as complex as it can get, our energy here are offered not for selfish things but for God's work in the world, for loving God and loving neighbor. This has been our calling and it continues to be our calling. As God's treasured, peculiar people, we hosted the homeless this week, and we celebrate that. Ten adults and 19 children, it was a challenging week, and it took lots of energy from many of us, and we rejoice in all the people who gave time and energy and commitment and compassion to make that happen. Thank you, thank you, thank you, thank you. We are the peculiar people of God who exist to love God and love neighbor, embodying hospitality and hope in this city and everywhere. More than that, we serve in other places. We have uh, hungry people showing up every Monday to find a hot meal in this church. We tutor children in Churchill. We support inmates' families. We uh, extend outreach to various agencies in the city for healing, to address addiction problems, to bring wholeness and hope. And we're not just about mercy. We seek to be about justice, trying to promote the reign of God on, in this city and around the world. This is our calling, God's peculiar people. And more than that, we're not just a social agency. We pray. We nurture faith in all of us from young all the way through life. We grow in faith. We give our lives in loving service to God's work through the church. We're all seeking to move from membership to discipleship. And it's all about the coming reign of God into our hearts and into our lives and into our world. So maybe today, this second Sunday of June, we can think about our sincere commitments afresh. And we're not just looking at the past week or the things that we've done, but we're always all seeking to evaluate. How do we move more and more from membership to discipleship? How do we affirm God is for me, God is for you, God is for us, and God is at work in our midst, and we have God's work to do together. No matter the storms of life, no matter the destruction that touches us or people across the land, our God is for us. That's the promise. And that that truth then beckons us, calls us afresh with every new day for faithful response, not just sometimes, all the time. The truth calls forth our deliberate, faithful commitments in loving and serving God in the world. We want to confirm this truth with how we live, with how we love, with what we do with our lives and how we function as a church. So think about this afresh on this summer uh, Sunday. How much does your, does your life reflect the peculiar life that is yours in God's covenant? We always have to be working on this, seeking to embody that we are God's peculiar people, God's treasured people living and loving and serving in the world. How about your pledge on this summer Sunday? How about the resources that you give Uh, to the work of God in this church and through this church. Distinctiveness following Jesus in the world. Maybe you want to 
increase your pledge. Maybe you want to uh, get closer to the tithe, which is the reference in Deuteronomy. Maybe as God's peculiar people, we can all be seeking to grow in faithfulness because the more resources we have, the more effectively we can bring about God's reign, the more effectively and faithfully we can embody God's distinctive purposes for us. Our first lesson today, you heard about it from Ginger and you heard it read by Sherry, reminds us what faithful discipleship looks like. And we're seeking to move from membership to discipleship as God's chosen ones, holy and beloved. In other words, distinctive people put on love, clothe yourselves with compassion, kindness and meekness and patience and bear with one another. And when you have a complaint, forgive each other. This is what it means to be God's distinctive, peculiar people. Our calling is to keep living as the peculiar people of God, as people who live by faith, who are different because we center our lives on God. Our calling is to keep pledging our lives, even in an uncertain world, by giving our resources and our energies to God's work. As we do that, God's love is shared and God's purposes emerge in us and through us and for the world. 42 is a compelling, wonderful movie about Jackie Robinson. It's the story of his heroic and difficult journey to break the color line, the color line of Major League Baseball in 1947. This remains an important story that far transcends baseball and sports. It's about life and loss. It's about good and evil. It's about perseverance and patience and prejudice. And though the movie only gives a glimpse of this, it is a giant story about faith and fortitude and living as God's peculiar people. The movie does a great job of giving the basic plot line. Branch Rickey was the owner of the famed Brooklyn Dodgers in the mid-1940s. And he decided, Branch Rickey decided in 1946 to integrate his all-white baseball team and eventually all of baseball. Branch Rickey also wanted a particular kind of person, a great ball player, but one who could survive the costly, lonely burden of being the first black in an all-white league. Ricky found Jackie Robinson, a talented player, but one who also could promise, no matter how hard it got, no matter the anger and the insults that were hurled at him, to remain calm and to hold his temper. Ricky made Robinson promise that he would not respond to the vicious attacks, the rude treatment, and never retaliate for a whole year in the International League before elevating him to the Brooklyn Dodgers. The movie depicts the tremendous difficulty, the loneliness, the burdens of this journey that Ricky asked Robinson to walk. Evil and racism are real. And they are deep within all of us. Robinson's own teammates schemed against him, would not even support him. 
opponents and fans were so malicious. The fact that Ricky and Robinson prevailed against all odds makes this quite a story. What the movie does not show, it only hints at it. What is more clearly revealed in the biography of Jackie Robinson is how Ricky and Robinson entered and survived this important and culture-changing venture because of their Christian faith. The movie pretends that it was mostly a good cause, breaking the color line in baseball. Those who know more and those who know better know that Ricky and Robinson endured, entered, endured, and survived and succeeded because of the will and the word of Jesus to turn the other cheek, to do justice, to fight to end racial discrimination, and to bring about the reign of God. The film is moving and great, but the story is even greater, knowing that Robinson and Ricky were both disciples of Jesus. It was their Christian faith where they found their courage and their power to make the decisions and find their way in a very difficult journey that brought transformation to baseball and, in fact, increasing transformation to our country and even brought about us closer to the reign and the hopes of God. Ricky and Robinson knew that they were the peculiar people of God with a mission about love and hope and peace and justice and light for their time. They knew they had to live their mission as peculiar people with courage and conviction and compassion. May we be so inspired so strengthened to live as disciples, as God's peculiar people for our time, for this season, for this world now. Amen. Let us pray. Holy God, to turn from you is to fall. To turn to you is to rise. To stand with you, to follow Jesus, that is to abide forever. We seek that way. Amen.